You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can follow along with the notes for this message and get better connected with our church by visiting church2911.com connect. Now, here's Pastor Rick or another member of our team with this week's message. So we've been talking about lasting impact. And uh, uh, the first week in the series, we talked about really lasting impact. We talked about uh, we talked about how Jesus had an impact on everybody everywhere that he went. And then the next week we talked about impacting each other, as in, in the church and, and our friends and, and those kind of things. And then the next week we talked about impacting our communities and how we impact, you know, the places right here around us where we, see, we can see the impact. And then but finally last week we talked about impacting people that we'll never meet, impacting people across the world, impacting people far, far away from us. And uh, I want to continue that this morning and talking about how we impact and what that looks like. I, when we talk about it, we're really talking about two things. We're talking about the Word of God, like sharing, you know, the Word, sharing preaching, uh, sharing testimony, what God has done in your life, talking to people about Jesus. But then we're also talking about living it out, you know, loving people, caring for people, meeting needs, uh, you know, sharing with people. Uh, and those kind of things, and, and taking part in people's lives. And there's, those are two, they seem separate things, but honestly, they work together. And, they, you know, there's a kind of, a, sometimes it feels like, well, can I do one without doing the other? And you really can't. And I, there's this uh, quote from this guy, and man, I, I, this is something I heard years ago, and I looked and looked all over it. I've looked for it for years, and I came across it this week. So I was so excited that I get to, to, get to uh, read this to you, exactly like the guy said it. So I don't just have to make it up and try to take credit for it. Uh, but he said this, uh, Chris, Chris Kandia. He said, we don't just have the red letters in our Bible, and that's the words that Jesus spoke. We don't just have what Jesus said. We also have what he did. Both his words and his actions were important in ushering in the kingdom of God. In fact, if there ever was a person who could get away with doing only one of these, it was Jesus. And yet he gave us a different example. He showed us that we are to both live and speak the gospel. And in doing so, we will carry the message of God's redeeming love into the world. We've got to live and speak the gospel. We've got to do both. It's, it's word and it's action. It's both of those things together that are, that are going to change the world. And we talk about sharing the gospel. When we say those word, the word gospel, that's, maybe that's a weird word. Because when we say gospel, that sounds like, you know, maybe it's a style of music, right? Or it's a... Uh, you know, the gospel truth, that kind of thing. We, we get those, that, that word. But where it comes from, if, if you don't know, it comes from uh, the Greek word uh, evangelion. Uh, it's the word that's actually translated uh, in the Bible to be gospel. And it literally just means good news. And there's the, the, uh, Jesus in the early church, they used this word, uh, this word to reference uh, a couple of things. They, it, there's a, it's a really smart thing that, that Jesus does here. And when he says, when he talks about the gospel, he talks about the good news is he's talking, uh, he's first of all referencing uh, uh, the, the prophet Isaiah, who came hundreds of years before Jesus. And Isaiah said that he was, he was, uh, he was uh, anointed and chosen to proclaim the good news. And he talked about how the, the good news, the, the feet of those who, had, who brought good news were beautiful, which is a really poetic, weird thing to say. But he's just saying like how great it is to be someone that carries good news. And so Jesus is pointing back to that, but he's also saying something that's very modern in his time. Because uh, where Jesus was 
he, he lived under Roman rule, and he lived under the authority of, of the Romans, and, uh, you know, Caesar and all that. And uh, in, that, in that, uh, that culture, whenever uh, there, the Caesar would go and conquer, you know, a, a, a neighboring country or, or whatever, a, a new place, when the battle was over, he would send people with the good news that Caesar is one, that you no longer belong to the old king. You belong to, the, the new, you belong to Caesar now. You're free to, to worship Caesar now because Caesar's your, your king. Through military might, he, he had won. And so Jesus uses this term, and the early church uses this term, good news, evangelion, gospel, to say there's a, new, there's a different kind of good news, that there's a different king that's won the victory, that, that, that you're no longer under the rule of, of, the, of the old king, of whatever you were, you know, whatever you were under. You're, you're free to do something else now. Jesus has won the victory, not through military might, not through violence, but by the opposite, basically, of laying down his own life in our place. Loving us enough to die for us. That's, that's the good news. That's the real good news. It's that, there's, that, that everyone, it's available to anyone who will hear it. And that's why it's so important. That's why, that's why beautiful are the feet of those who carry the good news. That's, that's why. It's because it's such an important thing. It's such an amazing thing, this, this, uh, this kingdom that Jesus, yeah, Jesus set up. Uh, and uh, the early church, they grabbed onto this. And uh, one of my favorite things, one of my favorite little mentions here of the early church in Acts chapter 17. It's up, up, yeah, in Thessalonica, the church uh, was being persecuted, and apparently you know, the church met in the house of, of Jason. That's where they got together. And so it talks about a mob coming in and dragging the, the people that were uh, following Jesus. They were taking those people out. And it says that the, they formed a mob and set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason. And they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And that's such a crazy accusation. These people who have turned the world upside down. That's the phrase they chose to use to, to, to describe what the Christians, the first Christians were. And so when I read that, it's, it's, it's cool, but it also makes me check myself like, and makes me think about it. Are we turning the world upside down? Are we, are we still turning the world upside down? Uh, if you don't know, I have a, a seven-year-old daughter named Macy, and, uh, and we tried for a long time, and we finally had another child this year. His name's Clark, and uh, we're blessed to have him. And Macy was super excited, and she's a great big sister who always, you know, always wants to take care of him and help and all those kind of things. She's doing such a great job. blows my mind sometimes. How, how great she is with him. Uh, but a few weeks ago, uh, Clark, he's, he's getting, he's, he's nine months old. He's just now getting where he can like army crawl and he's pulling up on things and just getting into anything that he possibly can. Uh, and, you know, you give him a toy, but he doesn't want that. He wants, you know, whatever random thing you've got set out, you know, whatever. Uh, and so like, it's just constantly we're watching, you know, and we've rearranged our living room where, uh, where like our sofa and our, our love seat and all that, it's almost like a box where he can't get out, you know? It's just all, it's, he's, he's contained. And uh, so he's, he's pretty safe for the most part when he's in there. And uh, a few weeks ago, I was, uh, I, 
I was sitting there with Macy, and I got a phone call. And I had to run out to, to send something to somebody on my computer. And I said, Macy, you know, just run right down, right into the next room. And just said, hey, Macy, could you watch Clark for just a second? And she said, yeah. You know, she smiles. Like, yeah, this would be fun. And I said, okay, okay, uh, like, if something happens, you just, say, you just yell. I'll come right back in here. Okay, okay. And she's like, you're going to call me, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I walk out of the room. I was gone for just two or three minutes. Everything sounds like it's going great in the living room. I come back in the living room. I only have one child in the living room now. And she is, she is glued to the television. And I was like, where's Clark? And she looks and she's like, I don't know. And I <laughs> so we looked and we found him and he had crawled around and he found her art desk and got up under it and he had this piece of plastic shoved in his throat and I was like, pull, I was pulling out and he was just happy, just, just you know, he's fine. But, we, but me and Macy, we had to sit down and have a talk, you know, and just make sure, like, you know, what, what happened? So uh, I said, you know, so first thing I asked her was like, 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 you know, I asked you, did you really want, she said, oh yeah, I, I wanted to. And she said, yeah, you know, yeah, I wanted to. And, and I said, okay, well, do you understand how important it was you know, that you watched him? And she, she looked real serious and looked, got real somber and like, yeah, I was like, you know, like, we got to watch after, you know, we all got to take care of and all that kind of stuff. And then I asked her a third question, and I said, did you, did something just distract you, something keep you from doing what you said you were going to do? And she said, yeah, I got caught up in my little pony. And so that's, th those are some honest questions that I needed to ask. And, and uh, you know, we do that sometimes as parents, I guess, as we, we try to make sure that we're, we're, you know, connecting, that we're understanding. But those three questions kind of stuck with me. And so I, are we turning the world upside down? I want to ask those same three questions. Uh, number one, if we're not, is, do we want to? Is that something we want to do? Is that something we want to do? Um, you know, I think a lot of times we want to follow Jesus as long as he's leading us in a direction that's safe and comfortable. And, you know, you know it's when it's when, like, Jesus, please save me. I don't want to go to hell. You know, I, I don't want to have to deal with any, you know, anything in my life that's too much for me, but like, let me just go this, you know, this safe little way. But when Jesus starts, you know, asking us to do things and move out of our comfort zone, and when we start having to sacrifice for other people, that's when it, that's when it, that's when it hurts. And there's a, there's a guy that comes to Jesus in Mark chapter 10. Uh, we refer to him as uh, the rich young ruler. He, uh, he came to Jesus and he's kind of saying, hey, Jesus, like, I, I got everything together. You, I mean, you wouldn't believe how great I follow you. And he said, and Jesus said, well, he said, what, he said, Jesus, just tell me, what, what else could I possibly do to follow you better? And, and Jesus says, you know, uh, keep the commandments. Like, you know, and he said, oh, I've kept all the commandments. He says in uh, verse 20, he says, he says, teacher, the, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. And look at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. And he said, there's still one thing you haven't done. He told him, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come follow me. And at this, the man's face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions. And so I want to say, Jesus, look how good I'm doing. But when Jesus, when he shows us, here's the opportunity that you have. Here's the opportunity that you have to, to, to share with somebody, to help somebody, to, to share your story with somebody. Uh, you know, then it's, you know, I don't know, I don't know if I'm, I'm comfortable with that. Uh, and you may say, well, I'm not rich like this guy was. And, 
honestly, you know, in America, compared to the rest of the world, we, we truly are. We truly are. Every one of us is. And we can, we can point fingers or, or that kind of thing at, at other people that, you know, make millions of dollars or whatever. But we do have things to bless. And even if it's not financially, we have other things to share with people, like our time, right? Like, our, like just, just the time we spend with each other. And uh, our society is so fast-paced. It's so, it's so just, you know, um, uh, busy and, and all that. But it's, it's becoming more and more relationally blank, bankrupt. It's becoming, it's so relationally bankrupt. And uh, the more we focus on ourselves and what we want and where our dreams are going and what, where our life is headed, the more we're going to, you're, you're going to feel emptier and emptier. Uh, and the more you focus on what you want, the more empty your dreams become. But when you spend your life like Jesus did, focused on the needs of the lives connected to yours, you will find true meaningful purpose that leaves a lasting impact on the world. And Jesus knew this, and he taught us this uh, in Matthew chapter 16. He said, he said, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for me will find it. Because when we, we give, you know, we see that when we give to our families or we give we, we see how rewarding that is. And when we give to our friends, we see how rewarding that is. When we give of ourselves, we always feel better about ourselves. We always feel more like we're connected and part of something. And we find our real purpose in our lives. And so I, I, I think that's the reason that uh, we need to want this, is because it's really something we were created to do. We were created to live in community and to share and help each other. Um, second, the second question I asked Macy, and the second question I want to ask today is, uh, do, do we think it's important? I mean, I think we'd all say, yeah, yeah, that's important. It's important to tell people about what Jesus is doing in our life. It's important to share with, with others what, what God's blessed us with. Oh, it's important to, to give of our time or whatever. But somewhere along the way, other things just became more important, you know, uh, it, than, than sharing the gospel because, uh, you know, it, it seems like we get caught up even in, in, in doing the things that we're supposed to do, the things we're supposed to do just to live then, instead of realizing the people around us and what they're going through. Uh, Jesus, on the night he was, the, he was arrested before he, he, he died on the cross, uh, he asked his disciples, and they, he took them out to a place to pray. And they, they didn't know what was about to happen. They didn't know what was about to go down. But Jesus did. He knew exactly what was about to happen to him. And so there in that moment, he starts to ask the disciples to pray for him. And, and he said this to them. Uh, he said, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And he goes away to pray by himself. And he comes back and he finds them all sleeping. And he wakes them up and, and, and asks them to pray again. And he goes back to, to pray again by himself. And he comes back and finds them sleeping a, a second time. And then he does it. The same thing happens basically a third time over. And then it's too late. The, they're, they're there to, the, the authorities are there to arrest him. And uh, then they realize what Jesus was asking them to do, you know? And we never know. We never truly know what's going on in other people's lives, you know? We can get so focused on our own issues, on our own problems, on our own, you know, the good day that we're having even, and not realize what other people are going through. And no matter where we're at, no matter the bad day you're having, there's always, always somebody out there that's having a worse day than you. I mean, there always is. You know, one night 
I, I remember this, and I kick myself all the time about it. But one night, uh, it was a Sunday night a few weeks, a few months, uh, years ago now. Um, uh, I, I stayed up all night messing with, there was a problem with the website, and I stayed up all night trying to fix it and get it ready for Sunday. So we have uh, the Sunday's page, Connect page, all that for Sunday morning. And, uh, and uh, you know, I stayed up all night doing that, and so I was kind of walking around here like a zombie the next morning, and uh, I ran into somebody here, and they said, said, said uh, Brent, you're looking a little tired. I said, yeah, I had a rough night. And they said, me too. And I said, yeah. He said, what, what happened? And I said, I said, I just stayed up all night messing with this web, you know, went into it and made it such a big deal, made it sound like it was such a horrible thing I had to do. And then I said, what, what happened? He said, I, I, my father-in-law got taken to the emergency room and everything turned out fine. But it's like we were in the emergency room all night and it was like, like all of a sudden, like poor pitiful me, have a little, poor little pitiful party for me. And you never see, you, you know, you, you never notice. You, you, we do that all the time. You know, uh, we, we think that what's going on in our lives is so much, so much more important than what's going on in someone else's. And though they may never tell us, though they may never say anything, we still have an opportunity to impact people. We still have an opportunity to share with them, you know, out of what God's done for us. And I think, you know, the early church, they were very focused on, you know, trying to share the gospel with everybody and realized how important it was. You know, Jesus said he was coming back. And we better hurry up and tell everybody as quickly as possible. And somewhere along the lines, I'm not saying that we decided that Jesus wasn't coming back, because he definitely is. But it seems like we've kind of thought, like, yeah, he's going to come back one day, and then, then maybe we'll get serious about it. You know? <laughs> then we'll feel bad about it. Uh, but here's the thing is that I know Jesus is returning. I think he'll return soon. I think he'll return in my lifetime. Uh, but if he doesn't return in my lifetime, that doesn't make our mission any less urgent. That doesn't make sharing the gospel any less important because, number one, we're never, we're never guaranteed another opportunity. We're never guaranteed a, another opportunity to share uh, what Jesus is doing in our life. Uh, and, and that doesn't, uh, you know, people are still in pain right here, right now. People are still going through horrible things right here, right now and need the hope and the joy and the peace that only Jesus can bring. People need it right here right now and so that makes that if anything it makes it even greater it makes our opportunity definitely greater uh so you know as long as he isn't it hasn't returned we need to continue to share and tell people about what jesus is doing so uh that's why i think it's important and i think we'd all say it's important but third is you know it may not be my little pony but what's holding us back if it's not if we know if we know if we want to do it, and we know what's important, what's holding us back? Um, you know, I think for the most of us, it's probably a little bit of, most, most of it is in here, or in here, right? It's, it's, it's here. It's not anything out, out there that's really stopping us. It's that in, in here, we're, we've, we've worked ourselves into thinking like, I'm not able, I'm not, I'm not ready, the, the, the moment's just not perfect or whatever. Um, but if you already know Jesus, you are both called and capable to share Jesus with the world. Right now, you are. We, we can all do it in a different way. We all may do it, you know, with different words or a different story or whatever, but we all have a way that we can. It may be very simple. You know, it may be very in-depth. It doesn't matter. We all have a way we can do it. 
And so I, I know uh, I was a youth pastor for a while. Uh, uh, for, it feels like, feels like a long time I was, uh, but it felt like, you know, on Wednesday nights whenever I'd speak to teenagers, and when I'd hang, you know, I'd always be pushing them to go share Jesus with their friends, and don't be afraid to stand up for your friend, stand, stand up for Jesus, you know, in your schools and those kind of things. And we still do those things. When I come by on Wednesday night, uh, Justin's still saying those things to teenagers. And the thing is, is it doesn't end when high school's over. You know, we still need to be reminded uh, that, that, that we have opportunities all around us to share Jesus, whether it's with words or action. We have those opportunities around us. Um, and a lot of times I think we just think, like, if the moment just is, was perfect, then, then yes. But if not, then I'm waiting for that perfect moment. The perfect moment never comes. We have to just go with what we got. But here's what I want to tell you, uh, wrapping up. If Jesus is who he says he is, and you're following him, then you already have four things. Number one, you already have the only message that is always, always worth sharing. It's always worth sharing. Number two, you have the power to share that message whenever the need arises. You have that, that power. Jesus promised that through the power of the Holy Spirit, he would, he would give you the words to say, but he would help you in those times. So we had to pray and ask God to help us, uh, but we have that power available to us. Third, you have the blueprint to live in a way that raises questions. The way Jesus lived is a way that raised eyebrows and made people say, there's something different about him. And we have that blueprint in Jesus, a way that, that opens doors for us to share the gospel. And then finally, maybe most importantly, we have the love and humility that will, all, that, that will allow us to be heard. We have, because that's what it is. People want to know that we're not coming from a, a place of judgment or a place of criticism, but a place of love and, 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 and hope for people. Um, uh, Peter, on the night, that same night when Jesus was arrested, uh, before Jesus was arrested, Jesus had told Peter, that, uh, that he, Peter said that, that he would always be faithful to Jesus, no matter what. And Jesus said, said listen, before the sun rises, before the rooster crows this morning, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter said, no, Jesus, that would never happen. And so later on, after Jesus was arrested, and they saw all that go down, Peter stayed kind of close to where Jesus, uh, somehow. And uh, he was there outside where Jesus was being held, and it says that a servant girl noticed him in the firelight, and began staring at him. And finally she said, this man was one of Jesus' followers. But Peter denied it. And he said, woman, I, I don't even know him. And after a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. And Peter said, no, man, I'm not. And about an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he's a Galilean too. And Peter said, man, I don't know what you were talking about. And at that moment, the Lord turned, Jesus turned and looked at Peter, and suddenly uh, his words flashed through Peter's mind that he would deny him three times, and Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. Peter had that opportunity. He had that, like, that uh, he, he apparently, people could just notice that he was following Jesus just by looking at him. They could see it, and he had the opportunity to share what he had with people right then and right there, and he missed it. Not one time, but three times. He missed it. And, I, and he left weeping bitterly because, because that messed, messed with him so much, that it hurt him so much that he had, he had betrayed Jesus. They had, he had dropped the ball. 
And later on, you know, you wonder if he learned his lesson. Uh, you know, he, he, luckily he wrote uh, some, a part of the Bible that we can read, you know, his words. And I was reading this uh, this week, and it hit me. This is, this is, maybe he was writing in reference to this actually happening. He says, he says, so don't worry or be afraid. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. So it's like he said, don't do what I did. Don't do what I did. Always be ready. Um, Ed Stetzer said this. Uh, he said, there are people in our communities, families, and friend circles who have never heard the good news of the gospel. If we say we follow Jesus, then this should bother us. The notion that so many wander through life apart from his love should motivate us to share the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. It's, there's so many people that are wandering through life without this. And so we should be ready to share it at any moment because that's how important it's out there. If, if it's changed us, we should be ready to share it with somebody. You've been listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a prayer need, our prayer team and staff would love to pray with you. You can send us your prayer request by using the email address prayer at church2911.com. If you would like to know more about our church, including information about our weekly services, please check out church2911.com. Thank you for listening. We hope you know that God has an amazing dream for you. And as always, we dare you to dream.